We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Stevenson for three. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. Happy Saturday, everybody. What is going on? Welcome back to another episode here. Us setting the pace. The Indiana Pacers continue their losing streak and prove that losing streak to six after a 128-123 loss to the Boston Celtics in Boston. I will tell you this. If you told me the Pacers only lost by five this game, I'd actually be pretty impressed. The Celtics have been playing great basketball, and they look like a team that's on the rise. They've been hitting all the right strides since the All-Star break, and really, Jason Tatum has elevated his game to another level. But I think looking at this game in a nutshell, Jason Tatum was not super efficient. He was 10 of 24 from the field. He did have 31 points, but Tyrese Halliburton out of nowhere probably has his most efficient game as an Indiana Pacer, 10 of 11 from the field, 100% from three on six shots, so six of six from three for 30 points. The only problem here, Halliburton fouled out in 26 minutes. There was four fouls on Halliburton in the third quarter. His fifth foul gets called. Carlisle challenges it, thinks it's a stupid call. A lot of the Pacer fans and Pacers players thought the same thing. Go back, NBA reviews it, and they deem it was a foul on Halliburton, so he picks up his fifth. He goes to the bench. He sits down for a little while, bring him right back into the fourth, and within seconds, Jalen Brown pretty much just flops, okay? It was it was a really weird situation, and, and Halliburton was trying to just hold his position against him, and 
Jalen Brown like falls to the ground. Halliburton gets six fives out of the game. So we got 30 points from Halliburton in 26 minutes. I think if he would have played 37, 38, which we've been kind of accustomed to since he's been here, he probably goes for 40 something points. Okay. Halliburton was having a great game. And I think at this point, you're starting to see the growth of Tyrese Halliburton in a Rick Carlisle system. And I put this on Twitter last night. I said, man, it would just be so fantastic if we could get some nice talent around Halliburton. Like, just imagine how good he's going to be with more talent around him. And it's like, not a knock to guys like Goga, not a knock to guys like Terry Taylor or, you know, your Dwayne Washington juniors, but getting Halliburton some legitimate starter level NBA talent around him is going to only help improve his game and the overall uh, depth of this Indiana Pacers team. So I will say this, it's obviously the goal is to lose, but it's good to see losses like this and like a loss we saw against the Denver Nuggets on Wednesday night clawing out of a 31-point deficit to actually tie the game at one point. So I feel like the Pacers, while they're still losing, they lost on Monday to the Hawks by nine, lost by seven uh, to the Nuggets, and then they lost by five. So it's like these losses are close. We know they've had some close losses earlier in the season when they were trying to win, but now that they're really in this situation where they're trying to kind of get as many losses as possible – it's really good to see them playing well. So they got four games left, and I think that's very important because the season's almost over. We're going to be done here in about eight days. So their last game is on Sunday next week, 4-10, on the road against the Brooklyn Nets. They play tomorrow, Sunday, against the Detroit Pistons at 5 o'clock. Then Tuesday and Saturday, they play the 76ers. So season's winding down. It's going to be an interesting thing. As we're looking at the standings here, only four games left for the Pacers. I think some other teams have more games, but the good news is they are still solidly in that fifth spot. Portland is really trying their best to catch the Pacers, but the Pacers have a two-and-a-half game lead in terms of inverse standings, and the Pacers only trail OKC by two-and-a-half. So just kind of monitoring that, but I will say this. Detroit, they've won two in a row. They've won uh, their four and six in their last. The Pacers are two-and-eight in their last ten, so – Honestly, I, I think you can see a path where the Pacers could lose the remainder of their games. So would like to see them potentially get one win if it doesn't impact the standings to just help the fans get one good moment before the season's over. But the draft lottery is slowly approaching and all that. But um, really excited to see where this team is heading. And so right now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you guys are going to hear Fachi. Give his five with Fachi, and we'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Welcome back, everybody, for Five with Fachi. I am going to be picking five names today that the Pacers can look at from a veteran signing standpoint uh, in the offseason. As we know, the Pacers truly lack veterans. You can make an argument that, you know, by age, Lance Stevenson would be the team's veteran right now. Sure, you can go with, you know, a TJ McConnell, Malcolm Brogdon, but all three players, we don't actually even know if they'll even be on the roster next year. So the Pacers are very much in need of a true veteran. Uh, Kevin Pritchard has even mentioned it himself. They've been searching for that Al Jefferson-like player. So, uh, you know, let's get straight to it. This offseason is going to be one of the weaker free agent classes. So I thought just from a sheer free agent perspective, we'd look at five guys that are going to be unrestricted free agents that are going to be available. So I'm going to rank from, you know, least appealing at number one over to, you know, number five being the most appealing. Starting with number one, we're going with Robin Lopez, one half of the Lopez twins, and you can make an argument, the worst one. I get it. Robin Lopez is in his 14th NBA season, and he's always been a respected veteran, more known for his defense. He's played in over 900 games in his career and was a full-time starter for the majority of his career. He serves as a current mentor to the youth of the Orlando Magic, and given that Miles is, I guess you could say, one of the key veterans on this team, or at least at the center position, He's just 26 years old. It never hurts to have a trusted veteran that does not need to play much, but his professionalism can rub off on the youth. That's what we would be looking for if the Pacers were to bring on board a guy like Robin Lopez. Next, we have James Johnson. James Johnson, uh, you know, a 14-year veteran who's been on nine different teams, including the Toronto Raptors, for two different stints. Uh, The power forward is a guy who... Has never needed to start. He's never needed plays drawn up for him. He sticks around because he does his, the dirty work. He does that that tough, gritty work. And when I mention tough, emphasis on the tough because this guy is viewed as the toughest guy in the NBA, if not definitely at the top of the list. Uh, this is someone who is seven and zero in his MMA career. Yes, you heard that mixed martial arts, but also twenty and zero in kickboxing. This is what he does in his spare time. All right, when he's not on the NBA court. The Pacers have been viewed, whether you want to agree or not, as one of the softer teams in the NBA over the last few years. Guys, I feel like this is the the type of team that one of our players could get punched in the face and then immediately apologize for making someone so mad that they wanted to punch our players in the face. This team needs to learn toughness. I'm not talking about that Jimmy Butler fake toughness where you're going to say, you know, meet me outside and you're immediately going to back down. No, I'm talking about real toughness because it just feels like we have a group of guys that is just too nice. So any guy like James Johnson who does not need much playing time, I I think would be, you know, not to call him an enforcer because that's obviously dead in the NBA, but you need toughness. And that's one of the places we can go for it. Moving over next, Paul Millsap. Former All-Star that is in his 16th season, while he no longer performs like he did early on in his career, the former second-round pick knows the definition of hard work. He's always kept himself ready, kept himself in shape. I've never heard one bad thing about Paul Millsap. So I think there's a lot that he can teach the youth if he doesn't want to ring chase. Wouldn't blame him if he wants to do. Currently with the 76ers right now, he was with Brooklyn before the season, so you get a feeling this man wants a ring. So maybe he retires, you know, maybe he ring chases, but if there's an opportunity to be a veteran on the Pacers, 
there's a lot of guys that can learn a lot from Paul Millsap. Always been undersized, still made it work. Moving over to number two, Lance Stevenson, the man who's already right under our nose. He's right on the roster. The guy recently said he wanted to spend the rest of his career in Indiana. Whether it's a rebuild or not, you got to respect it. You love someone who wants to be here. Lance is very much matured from, you know, five, ten years ago. It's not just a comedy act or a ploy to, to sell tickets. I mean, I think he helped ignite, you know, some of the fan base to be a little bit happier in what was becoming a really ugly stretch. But he also had some really big games and moments. You know, who here remembers that huge three-pointer that he hit against OKC to force overtime? You, know, you got the shimmy afterwards. There's been a lot of fun moments. He's gotten the most out of uh, – you know, his teammates in terms of, you know, showing some emotion, having them have fun. But at this point in his career, I think he'd be happy to just be on an NBA roster rather than playing, say, 20 to 30 minutes or so. He's had a home in Indiana. He calls it home. I think he'd love to be here. And there's still a bunch that Lance could add to the team. Moving over next for my final veteran that the Pacers should go after it's Thad Young. It shouldn't be a surprise. The 15-year NBA veteran and former Pacer is well-respected around the league. He's played in nearly 1,100 games. It seems to be highly regarded everywhere he goes. I strongly feel he's had an impact on Toronto that goes outside of just what his averages are, but that's a team that has very much picked it up in the second half of the year, and uh, you know that's right around where Thad Young entered it. Not to give him all the credit, but he's very, he was very much loved in Indiana, and while I just feel like outside of maybe just Miles and Lance got to play with him, there's still a lot that he could rub off on this youth. He's a true professional, stays ready. And when you think of the next Al Jefferson type role, Thad Young feels like that guy. You know, make no mistake, Thad Young's you know best years were probably, you know, behind him, but there's still a lot that he could add from a basketball perspective. And that's why I think a reunion with Thad Young could be beneficial. The Pacers need to get a veteran in there. This team is too young. They need guidance. And uh, these were five guys that I thought could help that are going to be on the market that should not command much money. Hope you enjoyed Five with Fachi. We'll be coming at you with a new topic next week. Let's go Pacers. All right, great stuff there from Fachi with our Five with Fachi now. I want to get into our quote of the week, and this one comes from Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle yesterday had this to say on Chris Duarte. It's unlikely that we'll see him the rest of the season, but not impossible. Um, Chris Duarte has been out with a sore, lip, uh, sore left big toe. Not something that you really want to see for a young player to be out this long with an injury, but at the same time, where the paces are at, it really doesn't make any sense to bring him back. I, I say shut Duarte down, let him get himself healthy, let him get some summer league run here with whoever with the Pacers draft with this draft pick. Pair them with, you know, some Terry Taylor, maybe some Kiefer Sykes comes back. You maybe see Dwayne Washington Jr. in summer league and just kind of see what some of these young guys have been playing some significant minutes here in the NBA can actually do together in summer league and see how he plays there. But at the same time, you know, there's no reason to rush him back. I would love to just see him get healthy, have a great offseason workout, get a little bit more stronger. Just, just grow as a player, as an individual, because I really want to see what him and Halliburton look like when they're both healthy and both, you know, engage and have a reason to play. Like at this point, like I get it. We don't have a reason to win games, a reason to play. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to trot guys out there and, and play them these extra minutes when you're already eliminated from the playoffs and you're trying to lose games to get yourself as good of a draft pick as you can. So 
really important times now for the Pacers to continue to lose games. Like I said, just two and a half back of OKC. So watching that and as well, keeping an eye on the Cavaliers. We talked about this on our last podcast, but Cavaliers are now three games back. So they're going to have to really make up some ground here. I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to do it, but um, would love for Chicago to lose out and for Cleveland to randomly get hot. But uh, we'll have to just keep our fingers crossed and see what happens there. But at the end of the day, I think whether the Pacers get that Cavaliers pick that's protected, uh, lottery protected, you know, it's um, next year's pick is lottery protected as well. So they it could always uh, the Pacers could always get it next year and next year's draft, which might actually be more beneficial to them. But at the same time, you just want to secure whatever you have and, and not lose it for two seconds. But with that being said, let's take one more break. We'll come back with Fachi here with our player of the week and the rookie report. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Setting the Pace Rookie Report. We are going to be highlighting the four games that happened over last calendar week. So that was last Thursday to March 31st. So in that, starting with Chris Duarte, our prized uh, first-round pick, Chris Duarte unfortunately did not log any minutes over the past week as he still is nursing that toe injury. Call it a toe injury, call it a tank, whatever you want to call it, Duarte did not log any minutes. Moving over to Isaiah Jackson. Unfortunately, he did not log any minutes, still suffering from those concussion-like symptoms. Pacers not doing him any favor by listing it as a headache each time in that injury report, but we do know it's concussion-like symptoms or product of a tank. However, moving over next, Dwayne Washington Jr. made uh, two appearances over the week as he scored four points, had three turnovers against Memphis, and then had a little bit of a better game with five points and two assists to go along with zero turnovers against Denver in a near comeback. Then we have Keeper Sykes. Keeper made the most of Brogdon's absence, or, you know, a few of the guards being out, as he appeared in all four games over the past week. While he went scoreless against Memphis, he did score four points against Toronto before dropping 16 points and four assists against the Hawks on six of nine shooting, while also scoring 10 points in his next game against Denver. So Kiefer had not scored in double figures since the first week of January. So got to give a shout out to Kiefer Sykes for bringing it. Uh, He's actually been a little bit of a bright spot in what's been a really dark stretch of Pacer games lately. Uh, Then last but not least on the rookie report, Terry Taylor made appearances in all four games on the week. When truly given 20 plus minutes, it feels like Terry always responds. Terry on the week averaged 12 and a half points to go along with five rebounds per game. He did it on 58% shooting from the field. And his best game on the week was when he got the start versus Denver. Scored 18 points on seven of 12 shooting to go along with nine rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block in a near comeback against Denver. That is all for the Setting the Pace Rookie Report. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with it next week. All right, coming at you next, we have the Setting the Pace Player of the Week. Now, guys, you can make an argument that, well, no player truly put together a full week in quite some time. It's been rough out there. We know it has. I mean, the easy thing would do to be, say, Tyrese Halliburton or Buddy Heald, but they both showed flashes, you know, two or so really good games out of four, but neither really had a great full-on week. So, in the spirit of the tank, Two guys will split our setting the pace player of the week for the first time all season. 
And that's going to be Justin Anderson and Terry Taylor. Justin Anderson averaged 12.5 points on 45% shooting to go along with 5.7 rebounds and one steal per game on the week. This man was out of the league. So, you know, started with Dallas. He has the ties with Rick Carlisle, but fell out of the league, went down to the G League, and was honestly one of the better players in the G League. So it's really cool to see him get his call up to the Pacers. I think he's made the most of it. You know, Justin had some, some really solid games on the week, just to, you know, be specific against Toronto. He had 18 points and six rebounds. He did it on six of 10 shooting. Recently against Denver, he had 13 points, three rebounds, three assists, three steals. So this is a guy that is showing that, you know, he could be an everyday player in this league. He could at least be on an NBA roster. So, you know, I've liked what I've seen out of Justin Anderson. And moving over to Terry Taylor, you know, in the rookie report, we touched on it. Average 12 and a half points with five rebounds on 58% shooting. Terry Taylor is someone who I feel like, despite being undersized, has brought it every single night that he's given an opportunity. Just to fully emphasize that, look at this stat. You know, I grabbed the shovel. I went digging. Terry Taylor's first make the other day. This was uh, this was from earlier in the, right in the beginning of the week. His 100th of his career, he did it in 155 attempts. So his 64.5 Field goal percentage is the second highest since the NBA-ABA merger over a rookie's first 100 made field goals. He trailed only Mitchell Robinson, who shot a hair under 70%. Taylor did it while being eight inches shorter, and he did it in 14 fewer games. And if anyone has watched Mitchell Robinson, no offense, that man remains in the paint and does not leave. So at least Terry Taylor is attempting threes. It's a work in progress, but... If you took away those three-pointers, it's not even close. Terry Taylor is setting a record. So, you know, I love me a good stat. Terry Taylor is, is responsible for that one. So, shout-out to Terry Taylor and Justin Anderson that at the end of the year, those two are grinding to stay in the league, and I always respect that. That is all for setting the, play, setting the pace uh, player of the week for this week, and I hope we have uh, – you know, maybe a more deserving candidate for next week as that should probably be our final report for the week. Uh, stay tuned. Always good to have Fachi back. We've not been doing the Saturday shows without Fachi because when he was on his honeymoon, I, I just felt like I could not replace the energy that he brings for the rookie report and the player of the week. And of course, I couldn't do five with Fachi. That's not me. So thank you, Fachi, for coming back. Thank you so much for all the hard work that you do for the podcast. And um, we will be back on Sunday or Monday to do another podcast for you guys. But with that being said, we're going to close out today's show with our fan of the week. So Fachi, take it away. All right, everybody, we are back and we are joined by Andrew Graves for our fan of the week segment for setting the pace. Andrew, what's going on? Man, I am just uh, excited for the end of this season and see, see how the Pacers reverse standing turns out. Uh, so looking forward to that. Hey, aren't we all these last couple of games? They are dragging. So it, it, it's been tough. But those of us that have stayed with the team, hey, I applaud you because whew, this has been the longest season in recent memory. But I thought, you know, before we go into this season, let's let's take it back and, and maybe uh, talk about when you became a fan of the team. I mean, how long does your, your fanhood go back? Yeah, so all my family is from Indiana. And so for me, the Pacers have been my team since ever since I can remember. Um, I'd say I really started following, <clears throat> following the team, though, back uh, in the Paul George era and when they battled against the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Hey, those were some of, uh, you know, the happiest memories in at least the last 10 years or so 
But, you know, it definitely feels like for a lot of Pacer fans, you know, those back-to-back conference finals, they really stuck out. I mean, what a fun time. Uh, you know, I, I'm from New York, but I traveled to Indiana both of those years to see playoff series. It was must-see basketball. I knew I had to be in the building, and I can't wait to get that feeling back. You know, where, where you're like, I got to be there and I'm willing to get on a plane and go over there. So I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, this season we talked about how it's been dragging. Um, I mean, overall coming into the year, how did you view where the Pacers potentially could finish? So to start the season, you know, we were running it back just like we had done multiple times. And, you know, I thought maybe we had what it took to to be a competitive team in the Eastern Conference, maybe at least a playoff team, um, you know. I'm excited the direction we decided to go because I was tired of being content with being a, a tough out. Right. And so, uh, but I definitely thought we'd be better than we are. Absolutely. Look, the term tough out. I mean, it still irks me. It's, it's tough to hear, but you know, I have a ton of friends They're They're Knicks fans they're They like other teams. And I always took pride in being in the playoffs until I realized pretty much just like you said, I mean, what's the point of always being the eighth seed if that's all we're ever really going to be, whether it's the the fifth or the sixth or the eighth? You know, if we're not really going for it all, then maybe we got to go back to the drawing board and start from scratch. And that's kind of where we're at right now. It's been a long season. Pacers, you know, we're hopeful maybe we can get the fifth overall pick. Maybe we can move up. But, you know, uh, we got to wait and see how the rest of the season finishes out. But talk to us about maybe – you know, some of the trades that happened, you know, we saw guys like Sabonis, Karis Levert move on. I mean, were you all right seeing that or, or how did it make you feel? So being somebody who lives in Texas, uh, the whole Turner and Sabonis debate, uh, I, I'm a big Turner fan. He went to Trinity High School here and then went to University of Texas. And so uh, I, out of the two bigs, I wanted to keep Turner. I felt like his defensive presence as an anchor uh, meant a lot to the team. And then Karis, you know, he, he, he was kind of what we got for Oladipo. He was nice to have for a time, but, but I was definitely ready to move on from him as well. Well, then uh, let's bring it right into in the recent article that came out the other day, talking about how the Pacers could potentially shop Turner for a lottery-protected first-round pick. You know, that's not going to get anyone to jump out of their couch or their seat, whatever it is they're sitting. How did that make you feel? Because what do we do with Turner? He's going into a contract year. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, I think it's smartest to re-sign him if he'll take, you know, not a crazy amount of money. Uh, And then I think that that may improve his trade value as he gets to play next season some. Uh, You know, he's coming off this injury, so nobody really wanted him. And and so I think that's why his value is so low right now. I feel like if we had some court time with Halliburton facilitating the offense, I think that could benefit his trade value. And maybe we see, uh, we want to keep turning around a little longer. So yeah, make no mistake. His value is at its lowest right now. And it's just unfortunate, but it doesn't mean we got to just move the guy just to move him just to acquire what could be the 20th overall pick 25th, something that's not really going to move the needle for this team. So, uh, you know, as we head towards the draft, I mean, look, first we got to get lucky in that lottery, but as the draft approaches, who is your at the top of your Christmas wish list? That's who I want the Pacers taking. Yeah, so, you know, I found this pretty interesting. When I look at – I've been checking Tankathon a lot, okay? Mm, me too. Uh, when, I, when I look at the odds at the picks, we actually only have a 2.2% chance of staying at the fifth pick. It's terrible. And the rest, the rest is kind of a split. It's, it's like 40-60 almost that will either move up into the top four or will drop back to 6-7. 
So likely we won't be picking five. So I'm kind of looking at it through that lens. If we're at four, I would love, you know, in the top four, Jaden Ivey, I think he is somebody who playing alongside Halliburton, obviously this would mean Brogdon or McConnell probably has to move. Mm-hmm. But I think two stud guards like that and somebody who's just like a, a dog, a closer, uh, I, I think is somebody we could we would love to have. Uh, so I would say Jaden Ivey is kind of the top of my list. Yeah, he's at the top of my list. It, it's just, man, it just feels like there's those solidified top four players and then there's almost a drop off of everybody else where it's interchangeable. I, I do think that if the Pacers were willing to go with a double big approach for a couple of years, why not go with a double guard approach in terms of two guys that can handle the ball like that? I really do think that that would be very beneficial. Plus, Jay Ivey, you know, head and shoulders above the best guard in this draft. So I'm looking forward to seeing that, but we got to see where the chips fall. Like you said, seems more likely that the Pacers fall down than they do, you know, stay where they are. So it's going to be interesting. But as our last question, who have you enjoyed getting to see play? You know, who's been most enjoyable to see this year for the Pacers? For me, I think uh, prior to all the trades that happened, I loved watching Chris Dorte. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the the younger guys, the rookies that are coming in. And so some of his uh, his clutch mentality that we've seen, his, his late game shots and his end of the quarter threes, buzzer beating shots. I, I just, I love watching that kind of thing. And then it, since the trades, I've loved watching Halliburton. So I'm right with you right there. It felt like Dorte could not miss on a buzzer beater. It felt like they were automatic, you know, and the beginning of the season, it was so fun. I stand by it like a broken record. If Duarte had started slow and ramped up, everybody would still be, you know, really excited talking about it. Instead, he started so hot and then kind of like, you know, moved to the bench, got hurt a little bit. So, you know, people got to wake up that this, this kid can play, you know, he really can. So I'm excited to see that. But also with Halliburton, I mean, you saw very quickly on, look, if our biggest knock is that he's not aggressive enough, but he happens to be one of the best passers in the league, then we can live with that. Because there's so many scoring guards in the league, but there's not enough true point guards. And I think the Pacers finally found one with Tyrese Halliburton. So that's something I'm very, very excited to see those guys develop. And hey, if we can get Jaden Ivey and have Duarte as our third best guard, we got a lot of talented guards right there. So... Andrew, I'm really excited about, you know, what's to come. First, we got to get through the rest of the season first, but good things are ahead for the Pacers. Really appreciate you coming on and tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, Andrew underscore Scott 24 or Twitter, Andy underscore Scott 24. My whole Twitter feed is basically Pacers content. So, Hey, it's great stuff, Andrew. We definitely appreciate your support for the show. And uh, hey, at the end of the day, let's go Pacers. Let's go Pacers.